He's one of the most respected voices in the game. It's time to talk hockey with Peter Hood on Shome 97.7. 18 minutes after 8 o'clock. Good morning, Pierre. Uh, hey, good morning, Terry. Yesterday, I was thinking of the late, great Red Fisher, um, mm-hmm. who always used to write about the Canadians' coaches. He would always use the phrase, the kindly old coach. Mm-hmm. And I thought of that yesterday when uh, Claude Julien got fired. Uh, just before we talk about the changes and uh, why you think uh, both him and Kirk Muller let go, got let go, um, let's talk about um, these uh, these uh, gentlemen and uh, what a contribution they've made. Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad you bring it up because um, it's uh, it, it, it's always tough when when like yours truly. Uh, are have been for so long involved in the uh, in the uh, Habs environment and the hockey environment, uh, and as I always told you, Terry, we always draw a fine line between friendship and and professional uh, respect. You know, yep. and uh, I never cross that line, and I'm I will I will be always very uh, careful about that. Uh, but then again, sometimes uh, lo- professional life brings you closer to a person. And I think that um, with Claude Julien, it's exactly what happened uh, in his second run as the Montreal Canadiens head coach. I think that when he got involved in the early 2000s, we had yet to know the man. I think he had yet to, uh, to cope with all the demands and all the realities of what coaching is all about in Montreal. Uh, but when he came back a couple of years ago, I think that uh, he was much more prepared and he had evolved as a coach with the long stint and the successful Stanley Cup championship with the Bruins, uh, the not-so-happy not so short stint with the Devils, and then uh, came back to, to Montreal. I think it was, uh, it was a different Claude Julien. Claude Julien that has mastered all the aspects of modern uh, day, uh, of a modern coaching daily uh, tasks and, and, and things that you have to do. And he became somebody I, I really had, I really enjoyed company. Uh, and when the lockout, uh, not the lockout, but the, the pandemic occurred, and we had to do um, shows from our, our apartments and our condos and our homes. Uh, and when I was given the mandate to, to host a, a talk show for RDS, Claude was quick to accept my invitation. And uh, he did the interview from his home, uh, and uh, you, as you know, Terry is a very private person. Yes. Uh, and we got to know him better, and uh, he talked, of course, about uh, what it was all about and the messages of life. He was talking about his condition of diabetes. He was talking about uh, raising a family later than sooner in his life and all the demands and all the, uh, the, the protections you want to bring to the family. So I got to know a man on a more personal basis, and uh, as much as, as you, you're used to those things, because I've been in, involved for more than 30 years now, you, you always feel for those people who literally sacrifice their, their own health to, to a job that is uh, so demanding. A well-paid job, we all understand that, Terry, but still a very, very demanding job. And uh, my, my first thoughts was, uh, was, was uh, for him and to mm-hmm. him, and the same for Kirk Muller. Yeah. I, I, and, and that's the thing. People, you know, who don't follow the game, uh, you know, may think, oh, well, he was doing a bad job. But the, the nature of the game 
is as a lot of uh, a lot of journalists have pointed out uh, yesterday and today uh, that your your time just runs out your your effectiveness as a coach just runs out doesn't mean you're you're a bad coach or a bad person it's just it was time for a change and you could see the it was uh, you could see the pain in Mark Bergevin's face. I thought yesterday at the press conference, knowing he had to make this change and knowing the respect he had for these two guys. Oh yeah, and and that probably explains why Mark Bergevin was sometimes or seemed sometimes out of words, Terry. Yeah, to explain the decision, because sometimes, I mean, as much as you can bring stats and 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 facts. It's always also a matter of uh, of instinct for uh, for a general manager, it, being able to say, "Well, that's the right thing to do at the right moment." And this is why all the questions uh, that were asked uh, about the timing and about uh, did he consider the move uh, two or three weeks earlier uh, wouldn't have been better to to do it before the the week break or the week off. Uh, uh, the schedule, uh, yeah, well, you can answer yes or no to all those uh, hypothetical questions. The bottom line was that uh, the 2-4-2 two, two record brought a bad momentum, and bo- but probably brought more than bad momentum, Terry. It brought the fact that uh, the team, or Marc Bergevin, felt that a long sequence of negativity and, and defeat was was uh, was already or had already started, and the other factor, Terry, and I think we touched that yesterday, and we touched that the last couple of games. I think that Marc Bergevin realizes that the bread and butter of that team, sooner than later, relies on Nick Suzuki, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Alexander Romanov, maybe Caden Primo, uh, eventually uh, when Carey Price has to be replaced, and. I think that one of his concerns was that those young players were giving signs of, of sliding away literally uh, in a dangerous way. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I think I that, do. And especially when you saw those young players from Ottawa yeah. Yeah. evolving so, so much, I think there was the, uh, also this concern that the stretch cannot go on forever. I no. mean, you have, you have to make sure that those young players come back to the right frame of mind, the frame of mind that we've seen from them, Terry, in those strange playoffs last fall. A lot of a lot of people mentioned yesterday the, the comment Shea Weber made after a practice a couple of days ago about mm-hmm. negativity in the room and, mm-hmm. and uh, negativity and, and pressure and whatever else the captain said. It was... It was um, it was a bit of a surprise because Shea Weber doesn't say very much, mm-hmm. and some people, including you know knowledgeable people like Chris Nyland, who's been in a professional hockey dressing room, said it was a shot across Claude Julien's uh, bow, uh, and that it was a signal that the players had given up on him. Did you take those comments that way, Pierre? Well, I I, I read the comment, I guess, with all the seriousness that that it requires. But I read also the comments from Nick Suzuki there. Yeah, yeah. So those players are at both ends of their career spectrum, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and very, very rare for a young player to speak out, eh, Pierre? Yeah, very rare. But uh, he said, you know, my feeling is that we're playing not to lose. We're not playing yeah. to win games. Jonathan Drouin said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, most of them talked about having lost uh, the fun of playing the game. 
And uh, I'm not saying that uh, the coach is the only one to blame. My point is sometimes there's no other remedy. You know, yeah. I, use, I use this figure of speech a lot yesterday, Terry. Sometimes in your swimming pool, it's not an extra cup of chlorine that you need. You need the shock treatment because yeah. it's it, yeah. that, that's what the situation requires. And I yeah. suppose this is how Marc Bergevin felt. Uh, about about his decision overnight uh, 24 hours ago or more than 24 hours ago. Very bittersweet, I would imagine, for Dominic Ducharme, who probably has a lot of admiration for the man who uh, brought him into the Montreal Canadiens. What can you tell us about Dominic, and how do you think things are going to change? Well, Dominic is 47 years old. I think it's an ideal stage of his life. Uh, because it's uh, it, it's not it's not like you're bringing a, a young young coach like the the Blackhawks have decided to do uh, with success, uh, uh, of course. But I think that the situation uh, required a little bit of, of age, of experience. Uh, but at the same time, Dominic Ducharme, I think, is going to be basically what I'm trying to say, Terry. I think he's going. He, he is in a stage of his life where veterans will listen to him, and he will act properly <clears throat> with veterans and with the leaders but at the same time his his uh, his progress to the nhl coaching job makes him closer to the younger players i mean he's been coaching the national junior team not so long ago mm -hmm. and, and i think that uh, because of that because of all those factors uh he he is um probably in the right uh, timing of his life slash career uh, to um, to to manage the pressure and to to manage the job. As far as his progress is concerned, well, he's he's paid his dues, Terry, all the way up from uh, as a player of University of Vermont, and not having the doors opening up uh, for him in in the uh, in the pro levels and especially in the NHL level. Well, he decided to turn around and decided to uh, uh, to become a full time professional coach. And he's, he's stepped up the ladder uh, step by step. And uh, I'll tell you what, I have yet to hear something bad or negative about Dominique Duchamp, mm -hmm. regardless of who speaks of him, whether it's related to the junior level, whether it's related to hockey in general, whether it's related to his, to his ability to communicate the right way, the modern way with the players. Uh, I think that... Uh, from what I hear from all those people who know better than we all do, I think that he deserves the chance uh, that he's giving, that he has been given uh, yesterday. And obviously there's a youth movement afoot when it comes to coaching because when I heard Alex Burrow's name yesterday, I thought, wait a minute, wasn't he just playing 10 minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was. <laughs> he, he was, basically. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've always loved Alex Burrow's. I mean, I know fans... From other teams hated him. Yeah, he was a heck of a <laughs> hockey player to watch, though. Well, I'll tell you what: if you're going to be a big mouth and you're going to be a, a <laughs> and if you're going to be all this and you're going to yeah. take wax in the crease and you're going to give wax in the crease, may I remind that he scored 35 goals with the Canucks uh, while hitting the opponent and while getting hit himself <laughs> yeah. a lot by the opponent. Uh, I always loved his energy. I always loved his uh, his passion. Uh, he. He's a talking machine. He's a well. <laughs> I mean, as much as Kirk had all those qualities, I I think that Alex Burroughs is a younger version of. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's going to be well liked by, especially by the younger players. 
now he's got a huge task because if he's going to be drawing the the board uh, for the power play and if he's going to be responsible for that part of special unit, he has one heck of a job uh, in front of him because... I mean, one of the reasons of the uh, the latest uh, slide, Terry, was the fact that the power play was off yeah. for so many games. So yeah. uh, he's got a huge task, but hey, let's give him a crack as well. I, I like this ener- I like his energy, his wit, his intelligence. I think he's a, he's a strong asset as well. And I, as usual, I absolutely I have such admiration for Mark Bourgeois and his honesty and his candor. He does not hide behind anything when he's asked a question at a press conference. And yesterday he repeated, "Okay, I mean he didn't he didn't exactly say this, but what I think his message to the players was, okay, I, okay, you've got a new coach. It's up to you guys now." Yeah, and I think it was very important for him to do that, but yeah. also to to talk about that. Yeah, because at one point, uh, if management does what it has to do. Well, then it's up to the players to deliver. And I think that there's no there's no <clears throat> one single player in this dressing room, Terry, that can say, honestly, looking in the mirror, that he's been playing up to par the last eight games. And that includes the captain. Yep. That includes the number one goalie. Yep. That includes your uh, your face-off star. That includes your, uh, your, uh, your number two and three defensemen. That includes everybody. So I think that... Uh, uh, what he did and and the way he talked about it had to be done, and we'll see how the players' response. I'll tell you what, you're not going to see how the players' response tonight. I'm looking forward to see how the players' response at practice this morning. Yeah. Because yeah. yesterday there was travel day, decision day, no practice, no media for the players. They were able to to stay away from the spotlight up to them to deliver as of practice this morning. Well, it, it usually happens, and I'm expecting this tonight, Pierre. Uh, as the old saying goes, uh, a coaching change usually lights a fire under your ass. And yeah. I, would ima- I, I would imagine, you know, I would imagine they've got a lot to prove tonight. They should come out flying, don't you think? I think so. And that's yeah. why I say, I say that they have to show that earlier than tonight. They yeah, at practice. Pr- at practice this yeah. morning. They have to mean business. And that's, that's the words. Those are the words that came out of Marc Bergevin's mouth yesterday. Yeah. You have to mean business again. All right. What, what time tonight? Uh, it's 8 p.m., Terry, the uh, one-hour time delay. Okay. So uh, face-off at 8 p.m., not that bad. And uh, we have, of course, a very busy pregame show. So uh, welcome aboard tonight. <laughs> we, uh, we hope we can deliver the, uh, a, good, a good call for, for all of you. You always do. I'm looking forward to it. We'll have lots to talk about tomorrow morning. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay.